we're going to be looking at some soul winners who gave their lives to the purpose of winning others for Christ. Amidst sometimes great challenges, amidst some, some of the darkest moments in history, these individuals that we are going to look at stood as beacons of light and life in a dark world. And they were messages, signposts to Christ and his saving grace. This morning we're going to look at John the Baptist. What an unusual kind of man he was. So unusual. Such an unlikely candidate for God to use in his time. But God chose him. God raised him up. The Bible tells us things about John that were really unusual. He dressed in camel's hair. He ate wild honey and locusts. Imagine that for a diet. This was a man that was so unusual. This was a man that was so counter-cultural. When everybody was living in their nice homes, dressing in, 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 in their nice clothes, John was an enigma to his time. He contradicted everything that, that the world about him was aiming for. He dressed weirdly. He ate weirdly. But the message from John's life is wonderful. You don't have to fit in to reach your world. You don't have to be relevant even to, to what this world would value and what this world would, would cherish and put their time into. No, you just simply have to have a burning heart. And we're going to see this in a moment. A burning heart to reach those who do not know their Savior. Let me read to you from John chapter 1, verse 19 to 28. It says this, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. And then they said to him, who are you then? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord or prepare the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah has said. Now, briefly this morning, I want to cover just three qualities, three aspects about John's life, three messages that outline his ministry that are pointers to us to help us reach others around us for Christ. We're going to look at them quickly. Firstly, John knew who he was. A deputation came from Jerusalem, from the synagogues, priests and Levites, to ask John, who are you? John knew exactly who he was. John knew why he had come, who he was. Secondly, we're going to see that John not only knew who he was, John knew what he was called to do. Very important. And he outlined it too, this, this religious deputation that came from Jerusalem, priests and Levites. 
in what we've read and we'll see that in a moment and thirdly finally we'll see that John knew what he had to say John knew firstly let's look at this John knew firstly who he was these religious guys turned up because people from all over Jerusalem Judea and the surrounding region were leaving the sacred places we're leaving the temples that, that had, had had the crowds but had no power. They were leaving those religious establishments and they were going out to a wilderness to find a man that was genuine, to find a man that had the love of God in his heart, to find a man that could relieve them of their burdens and their pain. And they went to the wilderness in their multitudes and they listened to John. And John's message was straight. John's message was firm and clear. He didn't try, you know, to, to, to coax people and flirt with their emotions. He just stood up and said, repent, you need to change. Imagine that, having that full face. But this was healthy. This was what people needed. This is what people wanted. And they were receiving and coming into the kingdom in their droves and being baptized. He was empty in the synagogues. People were coming en masse to him. And now the religious fraternity from Jerusalem had sent a delegation to John to find out what was happening, who he was. They said, are you the Christ? He said, no. And that's all he said. I mean, these guys just, they had to drag an answer out of John. He didn't explain himself. He wasn't trying to get people's endorsement. He wasn't trying to get people's buy-in. And he wasn't being obnoxious for the sake of being obnoxious. But he was just being who God had called him to be. He knew who he was. He knew what he was about. He knew what he had been called to do. Are you, are you the Christ? No. Then, then, are you Elijah? No, he says. Doesn't even want to talk to him. Doesn't want to entertain him. Just wants to continue on in the work that God has set out for him. Are you a prophet? No. Read it. Then who are you? They had to pull it out of him. And John is so self-effacing. This man is so humble. And this is what you see, the spirit of his heart in these words that we have read. Simply. And this guy has a huge ministry. Things are happening around him. But he doesn't get enamored by the crowds. He doesn't get enamored by the way that God is moving in his life. He says, I'm just a voice. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Caroline talked about having a burden. That's a burden right there. A man with a burden. A voice using his voice crying in the wilderness. You say, but Dave, I can't be like John the Baptist. I'm not going to see thousands of people led to Christ. No, you or I may not see that. We may not have the ministry that John had in the wilderness and see large numbers, but we can be a voice. 
You, like John, have a voice. Is it a voice that cries? Is it a voice of compassion? Is it a voice that explains and carries, like Caroline says, the glorious message of our Savior, Jesus, to the lives of those who are lost and perishing? You have a voice, just like I have a voice. We use our voice all day long. How much of our voice is used to carry the good news of the gospel? Let's weigh it up. Let's, let's, let's really take stock of how we use our words. Proverbs says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Oh, the wonderful blessing of when our life, our, our life's voice is used for the power of life. There is no greater power than the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to carry life. I'm telling you now, it doesn't make bad people good. It raises dead people to life. That's what it does spiritually. That's what it does. How are we using our voice? Let our voice, like John's voice, cry in the wilderness of our world. There's a wilderness all around you. Your voice, as it carries God's word, can carry hope into your family. Your voice can be a voice into your workplace, into your school, into your neighbor's home, into your friends, family, marriage, health. Your voice can be a vehicle to help others and to be a blessing because there's power or death. The power of, of life or death is in our voice on our tongue. Let's make sure it, that it's the power of God's word that carries weight in our tongue. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is going to make us aware, I really believe, of the way in which we use our voice. He's going to put a guard upon our mouth. We're instructed to pray for a guard to come across our mouth so that our words, our words will be good, wholesome, pure, noble, uplifting and life-giving. This is a glorious task that we have, a weighty task. It really is. I tell you now, you go to the Royal Gwent Hospital and you do not see healthcare professionals in their role there as they serve and help people who are injured messing around and and you know treating things as trivial it's a, it's an emergency situation every time a new patient comes in and i'm telling you now god is god is raising the temperature friends he is the spirit of god is raising the temperature for the lives of men and women in this city who are going at this moment in time, on a head-on course to a lost eternity. And we are the bridge, we are the means of salvation that God is going to use, the instruments of salvation. You say, well, you, you're being a bit strict this morning. We haven't seen you like this. Do you know what? We have some people in here who are in the army. And um, at any given moment, they are aware, ready, and able to go into conflict. 
And if, if we were to get them up here and ask them how their superiors talk to them in relation to going into conflict and in relation to how to approach other regions and conduct themselves when they're in conflict, I tell you now, they wouldn't be having a polite conversation, if you know what I mean. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will come upon us and shake us up. This is the purpose of this church here. It is. We have not been raised up to, to entertain. We have not been raised up just to be in here and socialize with one another as good as that is. We are raised up to reach one another, but also to reach out beyond one another and bring a lost world to Christ Jesus. John knew exactly who he was. Now, you're going to have to go with me for another 10 minutes, okay? 10, 15, maybe 20, no, 15. You're going to have to stay with me, but this is an important message. It really is. It really is for all of us. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from America, saw millions of people went to Christ on the continent of, of America and even into the United Kingdom. He shook two continents with his ministry. And one day, three pastors came to D.L. Moody and they said to him, Mr. Moody, when you preach, when you use your voice, when you use your voice, how is it that tens of thousands just simply receive Christ? How is that? We try to do the same with little result. You use your voice. He said, said, we use our voice to no avail. You use your voice and tens of thousands receive Christ. What is that? He said, well, he said, it's very simple. Come up to my hotel room. We'll have a conversation and I'll show you why. I'll show you exactly why this happens time and time again. So they went with him, excited to find out the secret behind D.L. Moody's powerful ministry of evangelism. They went up there. He said to the first pastor, will you go to the window in, in my bedroom and look out of the window and tell me what you see? The first pastor went to the window. He looked out and he looked down and there was a park and there were people in it. He said, Mr. Moody, I see a park and there's people in it. There's one man sat down reading a paper. There's another lady pushing a pram with a little child in it. That's what I see. Moody says, yeah, that's good. I understand that. Now, sir, second pastor, will you go and tell me what you see through the window? He went to the window, looked out. He said, well, uh, Mr. Moody, he said, I see the same park. Although I don't see what the first man saw. He said, I see a man walking a dog. He said, I see another vendor uh, selling ice cream and wares. And he said, there's, there's a couple holding hands. Moody said, yeah. He said, that's fine. He said, that's what you see. Let's ask the third pastor. The third pastor came, stood in front of the window and had much the same response, much the same description. Mr. Moody, I see the park, I see people in it, I see children on, on the grass playing, playing games. I see people walking with one another, talking, just enjoying a stroll. And then Moody got the three of them together by the window and with tears running and streaming down his face, 
He said, you see, that's what's different between you and me. He said, I see men and women without a savior, lost and in need of Jesus. What is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's a voice crying in the wilderness for lost men and women that do not have a savior. They had a voice, but all they saw was men and women conducting their life in everyday activity. Moody had a burden from God. He, he had an urgency and an alarm within him to, to, to reach and save anyone and everyone under his, his care. And that's what he did. There was a burning heart. There was a, there was a burning life that, that spoke with such love and such tenderness in the simplicity of the gospel invitation. And he shook two continents. That's what happens. That's what happens when we use our voice for God. Many of us, probably all of us here, are never going to do what D.L. Moody did. God has raised mighty men and women up in our earth and in our country to evangelize masses of people. Wonderful. We should rejoice for that and pray for them. But all of us have a voice just like Moody. The question is, is it crying? Is it crying for men and women to be saved? Is it crying? Is it carrying the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? When Jesus sent his disciples out into the world... He didn't tell them firstly to be trained for three or four years in evangelism. He said, listen, you've seen it. You've heard it from me. Now just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. And you will be fruitful. Oh my. And they did it. And there was testimony. And it was happening in all so many different ways. When you read the book of Acts. And you see the early beginning moments of that young church, they had a voice that cried in their time. They had a voice that, with a burden, with fire, with life on it to help others receive Jesus. John knew who he was. Do you know who you are? I'm not talking about all of the stuff that we like to fill our CV with or how we like to introduce ourselves in certain circles no do you know who you are in light of who God has called you to be let me tell you it's very simple a voice in a wilderness reaching men and women for Christ simple simple secondly so firstly, John knew who he was. Secondly, he knew what he was called to do. He said, I've come as a voice to cry in the wilderness, to make straight the road, to prepare the highway for Christ to come on. Do you know what? I know for a fact there's many people in this room that have patiently been preparing a highway for years now, for loved ones, 
for their husbands, for their wives, for their children. And up until now, their husbands, their wives, their children have, have, have rejected the good news of the gospel. But in spite of the rejection, in spite of the negativity, in spite of all of the rebuffs, they have continued to prepare the way of the Lord. Because one day the Lord is going to walk on that way and redeem them and save them and bring them into all of his life and all of his goodness. Some here this morning have patiently, year after year, been preparing the way just like John did. Do you know, maybe God is calling you to prepare the way for a friend, for a family member, for a loved one, for a colleague in work, for somebody you don't even know yet. Oh, when you first chat to them about Jesus, you might be rejected. Do you know, I cycle with lots of men. And they are men's men. I go into the pub with them, and there's all kinds of talk there. And I smile, and I have my glass of Coke. And they ask me why I'm drinking Coke. And I tell them. And up until now, they've received the Word of God. They've received a Gideon's Bible. But up until now, nobody has opened their heart to Christ. But you know what I'm called to do? Just keep preparing the way. Keep preparing the way. Every Thursday, every Tuesday, on the club rides, when we meet, Saturday, whenever I'm out with them, just keep preparing the way. And enjoy it at the same time. Just keep preparing the way. Many of you have been doing that. Do you know there's a wonderful testimony in our family? Faye's grandma, Nan, Audrey, prayed for her husband, Ron, for many years. She was a voice crying in the wilderness. Her husband wasn't saved. He was a good man, a moral man, a man that, that loved his home, that loved his family. Good man. But still her heart was, was unsettled and her heart was in pain because her loved one, her husband, didn't share the joy of knowing Jesus with her. And she, she evangelized and she prayed all to no avail. What did she do for 25 years with her church? Prepared the way. Just continually prepared the way. Patiently prepared the way. Patiently prepared a road towards him in various ways. And then the day came. The moment came when a pastor called John James, Pastor John James uh, from Panath, that's right, from Panath, Cardiff City supporter. Ron was a Cardiff City supporter, had his season ticket. John James begins to speak to Ron. And they talk on the same level. They share the same interests. And then suddenly the question comes, Ron, do you want to ask Jesus into your life effortlessly? John James introduces Ron to Jesus. But 
at the back of that, at the back of that effortless conversion, that effortless prayer, that effortless invitation was the labor of a lady who for 25 years, along with her church, prepared the way. If we are going to win souls, if we are going to labor in the harvest field, sometimes you have to patiently prepare the way. And it's not a quick fix, and it's not a quick answer. And it's not the waving of a magic wand that bring a huge harvest into the church. No, sometimes it's just patiently in season and out of season, like Paul instructed Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. And no matter what season we're in, we patiently prepare the way for those that need Christ. John knew who he was, a voice. John knew what he was called to do. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. And finally... John knew what he had to, he knew what he had to say. Oh, that moment came where John saw Jesus. Just like Caroline said, that wonderful mystery, the Word made flesh, dwelling among us, displaying such glory, such grace, love like has never come from a human being before. Penetrate in our world in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. And John sees him. And he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew what to say. Very simple. The gospel is so simple you would have to be a fool to miss it it is so simple Paul said this summing up all of his ministry and all of his work this is what he said we preach Christ and him crucified bam done we preach Christ and him crucified he said we're not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. His gospel was summed up in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the, the sending of the Holy Spirit to bring it all into being in a new believer's life. Simple. It is simple. We do not have a long list of doctrinal statements to go through with a new believer. My God, you'll choke them. It's simple. Simple. You come from darkness to light, from death to life, from old to new. All simple pictures, simple analogies to instruct us, help us, and guide us in this wonderful work that Jesus has given us. When John said that, when he pointed out that Jesus, that Jesus was the Lamb of God, the one who has come to save and take away the sin of the world, Andrew, who was one of John's disciples, got up and followed Jesus. 
You see, John was self-effacing. John was, wasn't trying to hold on to people. John wasn't trying to point to himself. It's me, it's me, it's me. Look at me. This is my ministry. Look at how it's affecting all of these multitudes of people. It's me. No, John was pointing away from himself when he saw Jesus. He said, there's one coming and I'm not even worthy to even undo the latchets on his sandals. I must decrease He must increase. And I'm telling you, if we are on the increase, Christ is on the decrease. But when the church gets on the decrease, that's when Jesus is lifted up and he can do some stuff in our land. It really is. John pointed away from himself to to the one that was coming, the Lamb of God. Andrew gets up, starts following Jesus. And then Andrew... Andrew goes on to get his, get his brother, Peter. And then from there, the next day, John, not John the Baptist, but John the Beloved, the apostle, who, who would later become the apostle, goes on to get his brother, James. Four people, four young men that came to Christ as a result of John pointing out that Jesus was the Christ the son of the living God, the one, the lamb who had come to take away the sins of the world. Now, as an outsider, an onlooker, you may think, well, who's Andrew? Who's Peter? Who's James? Who's John? I'll tell you who they are. Just in but a few years, they were mighty apostles that built the church who went around the globe, friends, went around the globe and did awesome things for God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray and I'm going to close right now. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to help us and enable us to know firstly who we are. Throughout this year, we're to be a voice. We're to be a voice crying in the wilderness of our world, reaching people with the love of God. Not only is he going to show us who we are, But he is going to help us to understand who we are called to be. To prepare the way patiently, lovingly, tenderly with those who are are struggling. And with those who are far away, maybe at this moment. And also, the Holy Spirit is going to give us the words to say. He's going to help us. With what to say? You never have to be afraid, child of God, when it comes to knowing what to say to a world that does not know Jesus. I tell you, the Bible tells us there is an anointing that abides within you whereby you have no need that any man teach you concerning anything. For the anointing, the Holy Spirit will teach you concerning all things. 1 John. It's in 1 John. You can read that. You never have to be afraid in relation as to what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, I felt your burden on this word. Holy Spirit, I felt your passion, the urgency And the alarm, Lord, that you want us to wake up to. 
And Lord, I do not in any way just deliver this to your people. Lord, I pray that I would capture this myself in my own life. That together as your people, as your church, we would be that beacon of light, the city on a hill that has such a beautiful, inviting light and life and attractiveness, a luster in it. Our lives as we go out into our world and our workplace, Lord, that you would use us, that the cry of our voice would be gentle, the cry of our voice would be loving and not condescending or condemning, that the cry of our voice would have tears behind it and a heavy burdened heart as we see men and women hanging in the balance between heaven and hell. Lord, we pray that our voice would be an appealing voice, an inviting voice, a voice that acts like a bridge from one kingdom into another kingdom, from death into life, from darkness into light. Lord, from sickness into health. Lord, we pray that our voice would make the wilderness a spring, a luscious place, a place of your design. Lord, I pray also that our lives would continue to patiently prepare a way for those of our loved ones, our work colleagues, our friends who are currently far away from you. We may have to set our face for the next 25 years like Audrey did with Ron to pray for those who are far away from you, to reach out to them. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the energy and the longevity to continue to prepare the way of the Lord so that one day you will walk down it. One day a laborer sent by you will go to those that we have been seeking to reach and they would win them with the good news of the gospel. And Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, by your Spirit, you would enable us to say the right things to those in need of your life. We ask this, I ask this for your people and throughout this new year, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would energize us, give us the opportunities, divine appointments. I speak it over your people because Jesus, you died on that cross to save the lost. You died on that cross. You rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, to bring in this great harvest in our world all around us. We ask it in Jesus' name for your glory. 